Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the 53rd episode of Why Are People Into That? The podcast that, for one, welcomes our new robot overlords. My guest for the final Why Are People Into That of 2017 is Rose Eveleth, the host and producer of the podcast Flash Forward, which is like part science fiction, part journalism, so obviously one of my favorite shows. As many of you know, I'm totally obsessed with the concept of sex robots. So Rose and I decided to collaborate on the very first speculative episode of Why Are People Into That? Or maybe I should say, Why Will People Be Into That? This episode pairs nicely with the live Why Are People Into Monsters recording, which came out a few weeks ago, where my guests Kristen, Katie, and Carly and I also talked, among many other things, about whether we would fuck an actual sex machine. To learn more about the ongoing Wired People Into That live series at the New York City Pleasure Chest and all of my other events, check out tinahorn.net slash live and follow at tinahornsass on Twitter and Instagram. Okay, it's Patreon corner time. I have 70 patrons, so I'm just going to do a few at a time. If you don't hear your name today, keep listening. Oh, and if you're not already a patron and you want to hear your name in these dulcet tones, all you have to do is give the show some monthly support at patreon.com slash T-I-N-A-H-O-R-N. And okay, if I, if I butcher your name, I'm so sorry. Please write me and tell me the correct pronunciation and I will shout you out again. So huge thank you to Liza, Tony Stone... Terence, Silka, Jeffrey Cutler, Simon Stock, Arun Littlejohn, N8, Nameless, Adriana, Tonya, Esther, Lily Coder, Kwame, Ben Miller, we have so many Ben patrons for some reason, Brian Andrej, Rachel McCarthy, and Alex Holsinger. So... You all probably know by now that I am a total Grinch, especially this time of year. But since I understand that most people like to buy a lot of gifts for the people that they love in December, I figure why not shop for the gift that keeps on coming? I I mean, giving by doing your holiday gift shopping at the Pleasure Chest. This sex-positive store is running a holiday gift card deal. When you spend $100, you get a $15 gift card. When you spend $150, you get a $25 gift card. 
Also, Pleasure Chest workshops are always free and attendees get 15% off anything that they want to shop for in the store that night. On Wednesday, December 13th, the LA store is hosting Down and Dirty for the Holidays, Advanced Sensation Play with Victor. And on that same date, the New York City store in the Upper East Side is hosting a Sex for the Holidays workshop with Carly. The full workshop lineup and so much more is available at PleasureChest.com. And now, slip into my uncanny valley as we explore why are people into robots? Hello, Rose. Hi. Uh, or Rose, as my Rose. phone um, <laughs> uh, wanted to autocorrect for some reason, I guess. I, I can't imagine why. Yeah, I mean, I guess my um, iPhone really is a big fan of summer water. Um, <laughs> I like that summer water. It's yes. perfect. Oh, yeah. Have you um, had the froze? Is that, have you had that before? Uh, or is it like a frozen rose? Uh, how do you, do you make it yourself? It's like a smoothie. Or do you like. Kind. I don't know. I've not had it, but I've seen pictures on Instagram. Which uh, is how I consume most pop culture. It seems like you could put rose in a blender with. Maybe ice? With ice. With just ice? I don't know. I imagine in one of those like slushy machines, yeah. you know? I Yeah. Oh, that maybe I feel like I have seen. I mean, I would drink the hell out of that. <laughs> Sounds so refreshing. For sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming over and being on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Big fan of the show. Well, likewise. So I am a big fan of your work. So you are a, a writer and a producer. And like me, you are the host and producer of your own indie podcast, yes. which is called Flash Forward. Yes. How, how do you describe Flash Forward? It's tough. I, it's evolved over the years of how I describe it because some people, you know, when you describe what you do to somebody and they look at you like with the dead eyes and you're like, okay, um, that didn't work. Definitely happens <laughs> so, to me all the time. Yeah. So that's um, the price of being high concept. Listen, I just, I'm just like operating up here at like a higher level. Oh, God, you know, and you have to explain it for the some police. People just don't get you know, it. Yeah. Um, so Flash Forward is a podcast about the future. Mm. Every episode is a different possible future. And some of them are very likely uh, things like what happens when antibiotics stop working. Mm. And some of them are very unlikely, like what would it be? like if space pirates dragged a second moon to earth mm. not gonna happen anytime soon probably we'll probably. see i mean i'm not gonna put any money on any of this but every episode starts with like a little fictional trip to the future and then yeah. i interview actual experts about what that would be like so people have described it as like a cross between black mirror and radio lab yes kind oh of, that's good good is. elevator pitch <laughs> i love it well i love that it has sort of like a like a soundscape design kind of a moody atmosphere and fictional element to it yeah but then also the like nitty-gritty investigative reporting like what would this actually like let's all get together and speculate about what this would be like yeah I mean I love like overthinking the like details of a future so for relevant to this uh, yeah. episode the sex robots episode of flash forward um we spend a lot of time talking about like warranties and like what would yeah. the warranty be like and yeah. like what could you or couldn't you do and like so all that stuff we're like how do you where do you store the thing like do you have a special closet like how much power does it need you yeah. know like is yeah. it plugged in you know like just stuff like that so we sort of like take a sort of a, a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek approach and some of the episodes are very serious so some of them are not like that but um just to kind of really walk through like okay wait a minute yeah. what would it actually take yeah to have this future well I love that science fiction and sound design you know like <laughs> all together in one I like couldn't be more up my alley you already brought up the sex robot episode that you did and you also have written a few articles about sex robots yeah. which I came across when I was researching a big article that I was writing about sex robots and uh and also your new the newest episode is in in a sense kind of about like 
sex software as well or like it's like dating software yeah. connected to your brain kind of a thing which i feel like i want to sort of fold into the idea of yeah. like what sex software and hardware would could mean totally yeah i think that i i like that instinct a lot because so many times you hear like there's like the sex robot stuff which is completely separated from like love and relationships right. and the way we meet each other and all of that which like to me they're intrinsically linked yeah and i would and hope that in our future they're still intrinsically linked and commercially they always end up of being course, linked yeah. yeah so for that reason i want to do something that uh on the show that i actually haven't really ever done before Ooh. which is to do a wire people into that that is kind of speculative and yeah. based on like supernatural in the sense of science fiction right like things that don't exist yet or like presumably to the best of our knowledge don't exist yet what I really would love to do with you today is talk about why are people into sex robots and also why would people be into sex robots yeah I was looking through your back catalog actually to see if there were any other episodes about a thing that doesn't really exist yet in that like People can't really be into sex robots yet because they don't exist. Exactly, <laughs> and I don't think I don't think you've ever no. done one like that, um, no. which is really interesting. And I'm excited to talk to you because I feel like so often the conversation about sex robots is just so hyperbolic and mm. either like really sex negative or just like really panic, out of hand. Panicky, yeah, there's just a lot of stuff. Yeah, that, hey, like, lots of hand wringing, yeah. pearl clutching. People are very yeah. like. I think that sex robots sort of operate in this, I was telling you before, this like Venn diagram of people who like to freak out about technology and robots and people who like to freak out about sex. Mm. And you've got that like perfect middle ground where people are just freaking out about all elements um, (laughs) in a way that is really interesting. And and I think it's really important to talk about like the ethics and sort of like the way this will be used and what this is, but it also has to kind of be grounded in reality and like Mm. what's actually out there and what's actually being manufactured and what people are actually kind of talking about. So yeah, I mean, sex robots don't exist, um, which I think is like a big misconception from a lot of people. And you would never know if you read the news because the news is always like sex robot does this and sex robot can do that. And (laughs) most recently there was news about a sex robot that has like a rape function, doesn't exist, has never been made, is vaporware, like isn't a thing. Um, but people, I think, see these headlines all the time and are like, right. oh, we have them. We don't. We have sex dolls. We mm-hmm. have sex dolls with some very basic and rudimentary AI that, like, is pretty bad. Pretty much, like, trying to have sex with Siri, essentially, is, like, what we're talking about. <laughs> Which, I mean, we've all tried that. Listen, <laughs> we've all been there. It doesn't work that well, it turns out. It's like, Siri's yeah. not that sexy. Uh, Siri is actually a prude. <laughs> yeah. Siri doesn't really want you to talk about sex at all. No. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty much the level that we're at with, yeah. with this kind of stuff. Um, but I do think that, like, there's so much hyperbolic sort of panic that you miss the actually interesting conversations about what sex robots could be like, will be like, and what we should be talking about. Um, That there's not a ton of like actually intelligent conversations about sex robots, which we should have one right now. Uh, Let's do it. (laughs) Um, Okay. So here's what I was thinking. Maybe first we can talk about what does exist now on the market in our 2017 world that could be defined as like a preliminary sex robot. Yeah. So there are two basic categories here. One are like sex toys that have some sort of like AI function Mm -hmm. or some sort of almost like VR function. So Mm -hmm. you've probably heard about like VR porn where you can kind of like interact in some sort of rudimentary way. One of them is um, the PU, P-I-U, which Mm. is basically... um, 
uh, a masturbator that can that is connected to porn where it kind of like simulates the thing right. that's happening in porn, right? And right. there's a couple of these. Um, there's also a vibrator on the women's side, or I guess it doesn't have to be women. There's a vibrator that um, is a, says it learns from what you like and then responds. Oh, interesting. I have not tried it myself. I have not seen the code. I think it's probably responding to some pretty rudimentary data that yeah. you're giving it. Yeah. Um, but sort of this is like the beginnings of, okay – you want something that can respond to your body, right? Like, and can tell, like, hey, you're getting turned on, right? right. That's really hard sometimes to know. I mean, it's hard for other humans to know sometimes, like, what turns each other on. No That's, like, kidding. part of the whole process of, like, starting to have some sort of sexual rela- relationship with someone. And to teach computers how to do it, teach robots how to do it, it's hard, but, like, that's part of the process. On the other side, you have dolls, sex mm-hmm. dolls, Abyss and Roxy, or Roxy with the at all X's, which is like, oh, okay, okay, okay yeah, I, I, yeah. I gotcha, I gotcha. Um, <laughs> the market that's, demands it. Yeah, yeah. That's sort of the most common example. They're about $10,000. Mm-hmm. Um, that's without like any kind of upgrades. They have some basic sort of speech functions, but they don't move themselves. They You have to move them. They are dolls. Um, a lot yeah. of people will refer to those as sex robots. I, I would not refer to them as sex robots because yeah. they can't move themselves. Right. You have to like move them around. That was one of the things in your, the article, I think on BBC mm-hmm. that you wrote about sex robots that uh they can't even stand up no yeah <laughs> and it's like oh I mean I guess you there are probably a lot of ways that you would not think that you would need a sex robot to stand up but like you also need to be able to like put it back in the drawer yeah yeah I, so we they're the those these sort of sex dolls are are really heavy because they're like supposed to kind of simulate like a human body right i mean humans are like not light <laughs> um and when they can't move them it's a like dead weight when they can't move themselves right it was really funny writing that bbc article they actually asked me to write something about the future of sex and i was like oh i'm, I'm working on this thing about sex robots let's do it um and my poor editor who i love and is is so kind and such a good editor but was like clearly so scandalized by like all of the things that were in that article and kept like changing things to like instead of have sex with it was like have sexual relations with the robot and i was like i'm not saying (laughs) and we had this sort of like really funny back and forth via email and i finally was like you asked me to write a story about robots that people can fuck. Like, I don't know what you think, <laughs> like, what did you think was going to happen here, you know? It was funny. He was, he, but he also clearly didn't want to Google things. So he didn't want them, like, in his, like, research history. Oh, my God. Like, that is so funny. He was so like, funny. what is teledildonics? I was like, okay, you don't want to Google that. That's fine. I can, I can okay, explain it to okay. you. There's so many barriers, and we can talk about them, between these sex dolls and these sort of, like, advanced teledildonics or these advanced dildos or vibrators and sort of an actual putting all that together into a sex robot yeah um it's it's gonna be super super hard what can you define uh teledildonics i think we have talked about them on the show before but yeah so teledildonics is sort of a broad class of things but basically it's like if you and a partner are like skyping or something and you can control some sort of sex toy from afar where it's like sometimes it's a joystick sometimes it's on the computer um basically you can control whether it's a vibrator or a dildo or some sort of machine whatever it is so did you read about the lawsuit with we vibe and oh, yes. uh the collecting data yes yeah so this is actually a huge thing with sex robots too right? right where if if you want something that learns to know what you like it has to collect data right and that's that's more or less or i guess that's one definition of artificial intelligence right a computer that learns is it 
is it accurate to say that it's a computer that learns from a human or not necessarily yeah. it can learn from other computers um but it has to learn and yeah. and sometimes you're feeding it a data set sometimes you're i mean i guess it always sort of originates it mostly originates with humans but if you want it to learn something you have to give it data to learn right. otherwise it can't um and often things like any of these sort of connected um, machines, whether they're connected to the internet or just connected to your smartphone or whatever it is, um, all AIs are better and learn better and perform better if they have a big data set compared to a small data set. So mm. you training your machine is useful, but being able to gather data from all of the people who have that machine is actually going to be even more useful because it can then say, okay, well, most people like this. And even if you haven't expressed that you like it, it might try it. Say like, hey, well, a lot of people seem to like when this does this. What an interesting allegory for sexual norms. It's, isn't it amazing how this works? Technology just reflects us back to each other, ourselves. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Obviously, my first reaction to that idea is you know the the idea of your sex life being dictated by data in a way where a robot would be like don't worry honey it's normal yeah <laughs> you know, well lots of lots of people right can you be shamed by a robot yeah. yeah well but also like the old joke about like it's okay honey it happens to lots of guys <laughs> like imagining a robot being like it's okay honey yeah. it happens to approximately 65 percent of white males between the ages of like yeah right we're like here are all the other people who like this on this app yeah. would you like to connect with them <laughs> yeah yeah i mean like because it, it is a double-edged sword, too, where, you know, in some ways um, you want the machine to be able to introduce people to things that they maybe didn't realize they liked or be able to right. try things they didn't right. realize that they were interested in. Or also, yeah, to be a, a non-judgmental, quote-unquote, partner uh, who is encouraging you to try things. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. And then you have the, the positive thing, but then the other side would be, like, let's just replicate heteronormativity or yeah yeah and also then you know you have a question of like what this is a little bit wonky but I think is important which is that machines can only measure what they have sensors to measure right and right. so you know we don't have sex is complicated as mm. you've covered on this show many <laughs> times um and it's really hard I mean like when you talk about quantifying mm. pleasure what does that really mean right um there are a lot of really terrible rudimentary sort of like sex quantified self-sex apps that you can get on your phone and they are constrained in a lot of ways by what your phone can actually measure so if you think about what your phone has on it in terms of sensors it's it has a microphone and it has an accelerometer so what they measure is number of thrusts and volume right that's how i measure my sexual satisfaction right. for sure right? yeah and yeah. that's like a very also like kind of porny like sort of very classic like oh she should be screaming and there should be a lot of thrusting right right and that's like obviously not the case first of all it assumes a certain kind of partner it assumes a certain kind of like way that this works um and you can you know there's some of these apps where you can then like share your like stats uh, like socially or whatever um and in some ways that's the fault of the app designer I don't want to like absolve them of that they sure. decided to do this but the other the other part of it is that that's what your phone can measure right right and it's really difficult to measure orgasm even like yeah. not every person orgasms the same way there's True. no great way to like quantify that except for self-reporting which again is like difficult yeah, yeah um and so when you think about applying this to a sex robot that has to then learn what you like that's a really huge challenge yeah because not everyone manifests it the same way not everyone reacts the same way you could say okay well if i'm a designer and i'm thinking like okay well how do i make a robot that can tell when someone's getting turned on 
Maybe it's like heart rate. Maybe it's perspiration. But then like aside from that, like that could also just mean you're nervous. That could all, there's so many sure. things that like it's really hard sometimes to know. I mean, even if you're another human, you're like, is this good? And that's that's why communication is very important, boys uh-huh, and girls uh-huh, <laughs> you know? uh-huh. and non-binary binary people. <laughs> um, um, but like, you know, you have to have that conversation where you're like, is this good? Do you like this? And so you would hope that maybe the robot is asking that and you're sort of confirming, you know, like with your words, like, yes, I like this or I don't like that. Are people going to want to do that with a robot partner? Like it's it, it's very complicated. <laughs> it's so everything you're saying is so fascinating, and it is true. Also, when I think about the ways that different people, especially you know, that different genders are socialized to even feel comfortable expressing what they like and what their preferences are and what their desires and boundaries are. Yeah. Um, I'd like to imagine a world in which sex robots would facilitate people being more honest because they have less fear of judgment. But I think that there's so much internalized shame um, and also fear, maybe well-founded fear or paranoia that if they admit it to the robot that somehow it is actually going to like come back and bite them in the ass. Um, Yeah, I think... There are people who have argued this, and I would love to imagine a future in which you are able to, if, let's say that you are, like, ashamed. Like, let's say, like, I'm, like, curious about anal, but I've, like, I don't want to ask someone. I don't want to ask the boyfriend. I I feel, like, weird about it because you've been told, like, oh, it's dirty. It's this and that. Like, and I could imagine, and I would like to imagine, like, maybe if I had access to a robot of some kind to, like, see in a space where like I'm in control there's no like the variables are low like I can literally control this thing and I can say no at any time and there's not it's not awkward it's like this and that at the same time you know part of me bristles a little bit at that argument because I think that there is an it's easy for then there's a tendency for particularly people in tech to trust machines more than they trust women (laughs) Um, I'm sorry, man, that, um, that, uh, I'm, I believe you. Sadly, uh, I, mean, I believe just, you. You see this in quantified self stuff that is not sex related. Um, so for example, there is a, uh, Bluetooth menstrual cup that is like collects data about your like bleeding and all this and that, which like, if you want that information, be my guest. Sure. But one of the arguments people make about that is that like, oh, well, then when you go to the doctor and you're telling the doctor, like, hey, I'm like really bleeding really heavily that they'll believe you. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. The doctor mm. should believe you. So there's this thing where I, I worry sometimes that, you know, if we can get these robots to give people access to experiences that they might be nervous having with another human, which is totally reasonable. You don't necessarily know the person well enough. Yeah. And even if it's not shame, even if it's like a little bit of fear like you don't really know like what are their boundaries maybe you haven't had a good enough conversation um but at the same time I worry that then you get this thing where a man might say like oh well like the robot says it's fine or oh well like that you've done this with the robot so you should be okay to do it with me you know what I mean like there's the it's very easy I mean the thing is like humans are humans are humans regardless of what they're interacting with yeah robots or other humans and all of this stuff you know you can't you can't get away from sort of like these internalized dialogues that we have with ourselves and with other people and the way that 
it's all coded into it's all going to be coded into that machine right well so i mean uh, essentially it like getting down to the 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 conceptualization of what it would mean to have sexual relations sexual relations <laughs> a robot it, one way to think about it is that it is no different from the way that we conceptualize the sexual relationships that we have with our sex toys right like in a very like rudimentary hardware way a vibrator is a sex robot like or more more sort of like in in terms of in terms of the concept of a human relating sexually to a machine like i could say my magic wand vibrator gets me off right? right it's like i'm actually getting myself off right using a tool but we have a tendency to anthropomorphize like all kinds of right. devices and appliances and right. So, um, and yeah, my rechargeable magic wand doesn't have, uh, isn't like learning from me. I don't think, um, <laughs> <Yet>. um <laughs> but, um, but also, also, you know, not only not only do we sort of anthropomorphize them in the sense of saying like the you know the vibrator like gave me an orgasm, but also we have a tendency to like give things names and to be like I'm in the mood for this toy tonight or like this toy really wants me tonight. You know, I mean, I I definitely know people who are like this dildo is speaking to me tonight and, and especially something like a dildo that you wear in a strap-on harness that um for some people is just like gender affirming to the point of it feeling like this is actually like an my own appendage like this is a um this is more like a prosthetic like this is my cock like this one silicone object is my cock and that I feel like though we we can already see those psychological tendencies in very simple machine would you even would you call a vibrator a machine? Yeah, it's a machine. Yeah. yeah. So machines, objects, devices. I guess I am also going back to the the shame conversation that we were having, you know, it is true when you think about anal sex for example, um and when you think about the social taboo, the internalized shame, the, um, you know, the encouragement or lack of encouragement or lack of education that people might have to explore or try anal sex. Like, despite the fact that, like, an, like a butt plug is not going to judge you or think that you're gay because you want to, you know, use this prostate massager people still like sort of self-police essentially right and uh and it, it sort of stands to reason that people would do that same thing with more sophisticated machines i mean especially once like the novelty of the access of it wears off yeah i think that there is an interesting question sort of within this too which is how different are sex robots from like vibrators mm -hmm. or, or fucking machines or whatever it is. Right. Um, and I think that's an open question. And I think that it, it kind of depends on who you ask in a lot of the cases. And I think that there are compelling arguments to be made on both sides, right? Yeah. On the one hand, it is a machine. It just happens to be larger with limbs, right? right. How, how different is it? It's sort of functionally a similar thing. Yeah. On the other hand, you know, there is something to be said for a humanoid form. 
right? right? That you're interacting with and that you're talking to or, you know, physically interacting with. Well, right. So now we're getting into talking about the Uncanny Valley, right? Right. And right. I think, you know, there are a lot of people who, and I think when you, as soon as you start to getting into like this question, you start getting into people who are like anti-sex worker and who sort of like, which we don't necessarily have to get into well, here. No, I, but. Of course, no, we should. And um, that would be on brand. Um, and uh, But also uh, I, I want to just interject and say that that was something that I really appreciated about a lot of your coverage of sex robots that um, just in a very simple way, you were like, yeah, there are these organizations called the Society for the Prevention of Sex Robots. Isn't that what something they're called? Something like that. I should, let me pull up the exact name. I have it here. I don't like to link to them. Campaign, campaign against sex robots. The campaign against sex robots. I really appreciated the fact that you pointed out that they're basically their entire argument is that sex robots would essentially be like prostitutes all prostitution necessarily leads to the degra or, or embodies the degradation of women. Therefore we shouldn't have sex robots. And you were like, yeah, so sex workers, a lot of sex workers, um, don't feel that way. Also Amnesty International, uh, you know, has, uh, you know, very sophisticated human rights, uh, stance on this. So, um, uh, just, just put that in your pipe and smoke it. So I really appreciate that. And, you know, I mean, I think that it is, it, it's essential that we talk about sex work dynamics when we talk about uh, sex robots, because if sex robots were to exist, they are essentially the sex labor force of the future. Right. And I think that, you know, the, the campaign, all the people or not all, a lot of the people who argue against sex robots sort of flatly, like no, in no way, zero, we're not doing this they sort of do that thing where they conflate all sex work as like exploitation, child trafficking. Like they sort of lump everything together, which is obviously sort of like intellectually dishonest in a lot of ways. Um, I couldn't agree more. And you know, I'm like all for stopping child trafficking. Like, like we're all on the same yeah, page but here, that, right? But, like, but, but even being anti-sex work is, I really like the, what you said uh, is intellectually dishonest uh, in terms of an argument against child trafficking uh, because like, you know, Anyway, <laughs> uh, they're not all the same. We can't. They're not fungible. They're, they're, they're not. They're not all the same. Uh, and you know, saying that you are that you are against all sex work because you are against child trafficking, which is you know, being against child trafficking is not actually a very controversial thing to be. <laughs> um, is like saying you know, women shouldn't have access to abortions because we shouldn't kill babies, and or like saying, but it's also like saying that that because some people rape, that there shouldn't had be any sexual freedom you know uh, it, it's 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 it is an intellectual fallacy agreed yeah i think the, the the reason i sort of brought it up is because one of the arguments that that sort of group often makes is that basically that like the selling of sex the commodification of sex period is bad and that like all any sex that is purchased with money is is essentially rape obviously i don't agree with that um but i think that one of the key things they talk about is that like if you have a robot that looks like a woman and mm. you buy sex from that robot or you purchase that robot, um, it is reinforcing this idea in a way that sex toys aren't. Mm. It is reinforcing this idea that human females are purchasable. Right. Wholesale. Um, I, I think that that is sort of, again, like almost like unfair to those who buy sex work, to those who sell sex work and to those who might buy a robot. Um, mm. Humans are, are not 
idiots, you know, in general. In general. Um, they understand the difference between a, a robot and a person. There are plenty of studies that talk about that, that show that, that we don't, we don't treat robots the same way we treat humans. There are some things that we do similarly, but we, we don't see a robot and think like, oh, that's a person, you know. Um, there are also no good studies to show that the ability to purchase sex from a robot is going to translate into humans treating sex workers badly or worse. There's also no good studies that show that people who choose to pay someone for their time in a way that involves sex then necessarily leads them to treating women or treating other people in a dehumanizing fashion. Right. Like, you know, it's... Right. And it is it is one of those things that, like, if you don't know any sex workers, it's mm. easy to maybe make those intellectual leaps. But again, like, I just think the resources are out there. You can read them. You can talk to these people. You yeah, know, they've, no they've excuse. Sex workers have written very eloquently about their work and what, what they like. I think there's also a danger here in conflating sex robots and sex workers because ro- human sex workers are humans mm. and have human rights mm. and those rights should be protected. And robots, as of right now, do not have human rights and I think are in a different category. So I do think that, like, this conflation of sex robots and sex workers is actually dehumanizing to the actual human workers um it, i mean i couldn't agree more but this is maybe getting more into the like speculative yeah. part of the conversation but what if the what if the sex robots are artificially intelligent to the point where we could argue that they are sentient yes and- i love this conversation <laughs> <laughs> um this is so it's so complicated right um I think that we're pretty far from conscious robots, but if we were in a situation where you had conscious sex robots, that's a whole new conversation where you do then have to consider like what rights do those robots have? Yeah. Um, and I think it's an open question as to how and when we might figure out that they are conscious. Um, Damien Wolven, who's uh, really smart about like AI and, and consciousness has argued that we might not actually realize that machines are conscious until way later. And mm. like, how do you make sure that you're not almost accidentally causing all sorts of suffering to these sentient beings. Right. Um, and I think that if we do end up in a situation where we have human sort of sex workers and conscious sex robots, I think that also just from like a, a labor market perspective is super interesting because then you have sort of two classes of sex workers mm. who can d- perform two probably different functions, right? Right. Um, there are going to be some people who want the human version and there are going to be some people who want the machine version and both are going to be able to do things that the other can't and I think that's going to be really interesting because it will also sort of um suss out like how valuable certain things are Mm, um it's mm. possible that you know I can see it both ways you could argue that the humans would be command a higher price because they can do certain things that a machine can't you know they can have like really complicated conversations with you um they can I mean, they feel different. They're going to see, you know, they're just going to work differently. Also, they could just have a social status. Um, right. I mean, I'm I'm sort of maybe going a little Blade Runner on this right now. But like, <laughs> they all could, for it. They, yeah, they like could, <laughs> they could have a social status, perhaps even like self-reinforced, you know, where they're like, you know, you want, when you want the touch of a real woman, blah, right. blah, blah, right? Uh, totally. Um, and, uh, and yeah, robots, I mean, I, I do think that we see from science fiction the tendency that, um, that we might have to um, treat robots as second-class citizens. But the flip side of that is that you, a robot can do things that a human can't, right? right. A robot yeah. can take 
forms that humans can't. Yeah. I mean, if you want to go like full on sci-fi, like if you want to have sex with some sort of like alien form that you saw in a movie, right? You can do that with a right. sex robot in a way that you kind of can't. With yeah, a human. and they could have like self-lubricating asses, and they, they never ride, get like, tired. Never get tired exactly. They, you know, they don't. They don't have. I mean, this also gets into the question of sentience. Like, do they? I want to say they don't have preferences. But maybe they would. Right. Uh, uh, but also, you know, like they could, their hip flexors, I'm sure, could. Uh, Very flexible. D- could do things. They could maybe even like, uh, like they could, uh, once we solve the standing up on their own issue, you know, but potentially. Step they, one. Yeah. yeah <laughs> th- then maybe they could also like have the strength to like pick you up, for example. Right. Um, like defy gravity. Uh, so you could like fuck on the ceiling or like totally you know yeah I mean, I mean there's just sort of like in some ways the possibilities are endless right yeah compared to humans which have like physical limitations yeah um but also have so pesky i know yeah. it's so annoying um but also have things like i i think it will be a very long time before a robot can actually really simulate a like full-on conversation right. or kind of have some of those like human touches that you know that are human right and and i think that like there's a really there could be a really interesting Thing. And I think also I, I wouldn't necessarily predict that you would choose one or the other exclusively. Like you could imagine mm-hmm. there being a human and a robot involved, right? You could oh, imagine, yeah. you know, and someone has argued, um, I, I think it was a science fiction story, but I can't remember the name of it. Basically, they um, imagined this world where human sex workers are always accompanied by a sex robot who can like make sure everything's okay and kind of be like muscle mm-hmm. in a way oh. that like, you know, pimps sometimes operate as sort of, but like aren't as exploitive and you know or or sex workers sometimes do for one another right exactly yeah yeah. and then you'd have something there to kind of be like hey buddy like don't get out of line yeah or whatever it is or even just to act as a voyeur for somebody who likes to show off right yeah right or the human can be the the human sex worker can be the voyeur to watch you fuck a robot right which could be humiliating like oh you can't get a real woman you can only get a a droid to fuck you yeah or could be like show off this hot fetish thing that you have going on I mean again when we're getting into the question of of feelings I guess like I find myself thinking about what if a robot could do everything that a human could do and appear the way that you know a sexy human could appear but not have feelings or preferences like what are the possibilities there and it makes me think about how people I guess it makes me think about the difference between um like being oriented towards a certain kind of person versus exotifying and fetishizing them right so like somebody who is attracted to let's say Asian women that there's nothing inherently degrading about being attracted to a certain person of a certain gender and a certain race. But when somebody starts to exotify or fetishize Asian women, then the, you know, they might be dating an Asian woman who's like, uh, am I just this type to you? Uh, am I just this token to you? Like, uh, am I like fulfilling this fantasy in this way that is dehumanizing, right? But if you have a preference for a certain kind of person, uh, or even just like fucking blondes or like, like a different body type or whatever, um, 
then if the if the robot is not like offended by being tokenized, exotified, fetishized for what they are, then what? Then does that mean that that person gets to just like enjoy that with the robot without hurting anybody's feelings? Does that mean that that person is validated in their fetish fetishes I should I be able to say, say that word, word. I, I should really you'd think I would be able to say it <laughs> their fetishization ding. of ding, ding, ding. Uh, of that kind of person um uh you know does that mean that Asian women now like don't have to put up with as much bullshit from people who have like quote unquote yellow fever and they can actually like, uh, you know, it's a thing. Yeah. No, it's, I, I grew up in San Diego and like that was like a whole, there was like a whole video that came. I was like, I can't handle this. It's terrible. Yeah. And it's a thing in the sex industry anyway. So like, um, you know, if, if particularly if Asian sex workers then like don't have to, uh, don't there would be maybe like less of a need for for Asian sex workers to live up to that fetish or put themselves like in that narrow definition of that box. So then maybe the job could be more exp- expansive for them. I- yeah, I think that this question is a really good one, and I think that it is one of those kinds of things that is impossible to know until we start to have something like this. Yeah, because there is the question of like you can imagine someone like that someone let's say that they are someone who like has an Asian fetish in in a way that is like not great um does their relationship with these robots solidify that make them feel like it's okay Mm. or does it sort of provide an outlet for something right that they kind of know already is like maybe not and I think again like the technology doesn't solve these problems. Only like human conversations and sort of like cultural change can solve these problems. Totally. Um, and you know, you hear this argument sort of to the extreme with robots where it's like, let's some- say someone has like a rape fetish. Right. 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 And, is that something that they should be allowed to explore with a robot in such a way that they're not hurting any humans? And let's say that the robot is not sentient and it is like totally, you know, you're not hurting a robot either. Is that something that we should offer? Right. Like, is that is that something that, well, you, you know, and I mean, there are people who have like rape fetish and like they have consensual like sort of role playing. Right. Things. And it's like, what what even is a rape fetish? Like, do you have a like a fetish for, um, you know, I would even say that, like, if you have this is maybe getting into semantics, but that if you have a if you are turned on by a fantasy of ravishment or a fantasy of like uh, uh like you know like dominating somebody um that you know uh, that yeah first of all just fantasizing about it i don't think that there's in- anything inherently wrong with a rape fantasy um like playing it out with someone would not actually be playing out rape if they're, you know, if, if they're consenting, right? Like, if you're raping someone, you're raping someone. Full stop. Um, this is and not that's complicated. Not, right. And that's not, you know, and I think it's actually, like, for a, a lot of people, it's not, like, a fetish, like, oh, I have a, a rape fetish, and so I need to find someone that I can fuck unconsensually. It's an expression of violence. It's an expression of control right. and power, right? So, um, nevertheless, if somebody does have urges of domination or the, ur- the urges to, you know maybe to like have sex in a way that like goes to some really dark places that maybe it is harder to find somebody that you have a c- 
compatibility with for living that out and then you feel shame about it you repress it you repress it you repress it it comes up in weird ways so if you have more than weird ways sometimes it comes up in awful ways if you have a robot that you can blow that steam off with it's it's hard to know right like who because we don't i mean this is sort of the classic um argument that people make with video games too right where it's like right okay like let's say you're like a raging like violent person yeah like are you taking it out in video games or is that just who you are and that's not really like diffusing any of it? Right. Um, and there have been conflicting studies on that. Some studies suggest that like when someone who has violent tendencies goes and plays a violent video game, they become more violent in real life. There are other studies that show the opposite. I don't think we know. And then of course the, the flip side of that is the, the question, the assumption that people make and the, nevertheless like important question of do does the existence of that entertainment create violent tendencies right and that has been pretty well studied and pretty much says no i mean i agree with that um most of the studies as i'm a little bit behind on the studies but the ones that i've seen pretty much tend towards no it is one of those things where it's like if you already have those tendencies they they might or might not be stoked. If you don't have them, you're not going to like play World of Warcraft and then be like, I'm going to go kill people. People have argued for and against the sort of like the use of sex robots to kind of like diffuse some of that energy, whether right. if it's like a negative kind of energy that you want to expend in some sort of way. Other people have argued sort of back to something we were talking about earlier that like, could a robot actually help teach people consent? If it is programmed to say like, hey, here are our boundaries. And if you start to push and the robot says no, is that something that can be useful in some ways to sort of remind people that there are rules and that this is a thing you have to interact with and it's a give and take. I'm skeptical of that a little bit just because, um, I mean, I would prefer that we teach men just to like trust boundaries, period. Not men, not just men, all people. All people should trust people's boundaries. Mostly men. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think that there is, I think... The reason I push back on it is not because I don't think it's a potential thing. I think mm. that there are certainly, there is certainly a potential for that function and for that sort of tool. I think that the problem is that so often we see people saying like, oh, don't worry, we'll have this like robot fix it. This robot's going to teach men how to do this thing. And right. I'm like, it, well, if they don't listen to women, it's a little bit sad that they'll well, listen to a robot. Right. It's <laughs> You were just saying this, right? So I think that's like, to me, a little bit of, I mean, I would not be opposed to a robot that helps teach people consent, but I would yeah. also then want to ask some questions about why it is that a robot does better at that than maybe a fellow human. Right. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. So the sort of most extreme ethical question about sex robots, which has come up in the news recently, which is a way to think about a lot of the things that we're that we're talking about here when it comes to consent and using machines to purge urges is 
what are the ethical questions surrounding robots that are designed to resemble or perhaps behave like minors? <sighs> yeah. The child sex robot question. It comes up pretty much every time right. sex robots come up. Um, and I think it makes sense. You know, people tend to go for like the most extreme, terrible thing they can think of. It, and I, it, I don't think a, that's necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, it, it is a, it's a way to... It's it's a good speculative tool because you're wrapping your minds around something where maybe in real current life involving humans. Well, I don't know. I was going to say that there's very clear black and white, but actually, uh, it's that's also complicated. The idea of non-offending pedophiles, like et cetera, et cetera. So you know, we're wading into um, tricky thorny territory. It is um, tricky. The question of child sex robots is it is a fact that some people have uh urges to be sexually attracted to let's just say minors the reason that legally ethically for an adult to have sex with a minor is always considered statutory rape is because of power imbalances generally socially accepted idea that it is ethically morally wrong thing to do which i agree with by the way just to be clear <laughs> just for the record um <laughs> you know the reason that it is that it's always rape is is that it's always exploitative of the minor if the minor in question is not a human but rather a robot that sufficiently resembles the object of attraction then would a the person attracted to minors be able to blow off that steam so to speak and uh would that be a helpful tool in not offending or on the uh, i guess b the other argument would be that um that such things are essentially depraved and create a demand or normalize um that behavior and that once people have tasted had a taste of that forbidden fruit it's not going to get it they're it's not getting off their chest they're just going to want it more anyway i don't know what do you think um so th it's really complicated there is no good data to lean on here so normally my go-to is like what do the studies say you know yeah. what do we know the, what we do know about pedophiles sort of broadly um is that the only really consistent thing that seems to um, prevent like repeat offenses is community support it's actually not any of the therapy programs mm. it's not a lot of the things that people were sort of trying out it is j literally like being accepted into a community once you are considered a pedophile it is very difficult for you to find a place to live like it's all these things isolated. for for good reasons this yeah. is not I'm, but yeah. like it can be it can make it harder to sort of reintegrate into society. It can make it harder for people to not just sort of retreat into themselves and retreat into those sort of interior demons. So there's a pretty good and very interesting study that shows that like the, the thing, the thing that like makes pedophiles not offend again is community support. We have no idea if something like a child resembling sex robot would help or hurt. It's also the kind of thing that's kind of unethical to try to figure out right. in a lot of ways. Right. Um, you don't really want to like do the like double blind study there. Oh my god! That's not right. We don't do that. That's not how we do things right. in in science, right? So it's it's really thorny. I think that the the issue of consent and power imbalance is a really interesting one in sex robots generally. Right. 
uh, there was always a power imbalance when you're having sex with a machine that can't like say no. That said, like it's not sentient. Um, well, and also if I wonder, I mean, this is sort of the question about like, if there were no social taboos and there was no shame and there was no like religious repression would sex be fun anymore right so like so like <laughs> yeah right so if if you're if if part of the thrill of doing bad things sexually and i don't necessarily mean, and by bad i don't necessarily mean unconsensual uh you know ethical transgressions but like you know dirty fun if part of the appeal of doing bad things is I don't know, like humans coming together and being collaborating on their filth. And if you're just doing it with a robot that, I mean, I guess people, uh, this goes back to my, my sex toy allegory where, you know, people certainly have a lot of dirty fun with their imaginations and their sex toys. Right. But if part of, if part of the scenarios that we're imagining with the sex robots have to do with them being like a simulacrum of, a human interaction right. and you I mean this is the other question do you know saying so many things right now but like this is <laughs> this is like the main question of like my big research piece that I did about yeah sex robots which was what would it take for a sex robot to pass a Turing test right right so like the, my, so my question for you right now in terms of this ethical discussion is you know do you think that people will know that they're having sex with a robot no or do you think that they will think that it is that it's like an android that like passes through the uncanny valley and you actually like believe that and passes the Turing test? I love that piece of yours. Um, Thank you. Because I actually had not ever thought of that. And I was like, oh, holy shit. It would be so much easier to pass the Turing test with the sex robot than with any other kind of robot. Right. Because I think in part because like and this happens to all of us like when you're having sexy time your brain kind of like starts to do funny things and you like totally right you're like not fully like de noticing details sometimes <laughs> let's say you're just like a little bit hot and bothered and also i think because like sex is really awkward mm. so the the ai that most recently sort of like brushed up against passing the turing test pretended to be i think it was like a russian teenager or something like that Whoa. so it like kind of gave an excuse for the, like the language to be a little bit stilted and a little bit weird and so like you kind of had a reason to think like well this is a little odd but like maybe it's just like someone whatever and so i think that actually like anytime you're having sex particularly with a new partner and you're it's awkward right like you're right. like oh okay I, oh my and your bodies are like in weird places and you're yeah. just like trying to like you're also like maybe you're a little bit embarrassed about like the way your butt looks or whatever it is yeah and I feel like that you are more willing to like kind of give someone a little bit more of a, a leeway to be like oh maybe that's just what they like or maybe this is like it's just weird and also you're often so focused on you and being like am I do I look okay like you know especially yeah. like the first couple times you might have sex with someone and you're like trying to make sure you're like sucking in this whatever it is or whatever you're doing and like who everyone has their like thing that they're like okay yeah. I can't I just want to like impress them or like want to like this like you know sex is like not that sexy a lot of the time it's like really sure. awkward it's so awkward um well, but the other thing about that is how easy it can be to convince someone that you're having sex with of a bunch of things that aren't actually true oh, about yeah. you oh 100 and that also that is really exaggerated in your online interactions that you might be having with someone so like you know one of my 
fantasies about sex robots is what if we had so, it, what if we had you know ai software that could be programmed to just sort of take care of the most like rote routine ego stroking sexual needs that so many people <laughs> expect yeah from other humans you know a common example of this is the emotional labor that men expect from women which i've definitely had experiences of people like stringing me along on dating sites un with uh, under the presupposition that we are gonna actually like meet up and have sex and have a human connection but actually what they really want is like the safest tidiest indulgence of their needs without having to extend themselves or even like leave their bedroom right so like if a robot could do that or like if software could do that uh and then you know my argument is then maybe women would be freed up to do literally anything else that we want <laughs> yeah my answer to that is that i think that unfortunately uh, men really want human women to do that for them. But what if they think it's a human yeah, woman? Yeah, so that's interesting, right, where you're tricking someone, where it's like, there was recently, um, I think it was Georgia Tech, a computer science professor um, designed a TA that was a robot or was a, an AI. Yeah. Um, it did not have a body form. It was just sort of answering questions. And it basically was like, what he found was that all these TAs were spending all of their time answering questions that were like easily found on the syllabus right. and whatever. And so he was like, if I can build this thing that basically like recognizes the most common questions and just answers them from the syllabus, but in kind of like a human sounding way, um, I can free up my TAs to actually do the like more interesting questions, sort of the work that is more useful to students. And so he deployed this for a whole semester and his students had no idea that it wasn't a human. It's really interesting. Um, so I do think that there is the, there is that. I think that going back to sort of your question about like, would a human be able to forget that they are having sex with a robot or perhaps not know that they're having sex with a robot? I think that that's 100% possible. I think that that complicates the question of the child sex robot mm. because if you can reasonably convince yourself that you are in fact having sex with a human, not robot child, does that change your ethical feeling about whether that's a thing that we should allow? To me, just to like tie a bow a little bit on the, the child sex robot conversation and then we can move on to something else. Yeah. I think that and I'm not an ethicist but to me it feels like there's such a high risk there to mm. a really vulnerable population yeah that I would want to tread very carefully but don't you think that that is the argument that people make about why we shouldn't make sex robots that resemble women yes but they are also conflating an adult woman who can have like consensual and like power in their relationship with a child who can't ah Turns out, interesting. <laughs> ah, <laughs> I kind of set you up for that. Yeah, right. um, but, um, you, but you, is, you performed well. That totally is the thing. That totally yeah. is the argument that they make. And again, I, I think that there's you're, so much conflation. You're right. That um, is the difference. And it turns out they're different. It's um, like not rocket science. Wow, I yeah. know, crazy. I don't have a great answer on the child sex robot thing. And the the good thing is that that's not going to happen really, for a really long time. Thank goodness. But I do think that is, it, I want us to have conversations like that to yeah. say like, okay, but like, where is the line? Yeah. You know, what is the line here? So, and you know, I mean, part of defining what is 
bad helps us to define what's good. You right. Know, and we've, we, we've had, you know, we're having these thorny conversations about consent and age of consent in humans. And yeah. we haven't figured that out yet either. Yeah. So I think also to pretend as though sex robots and humans are completely different is, I think, also dangerous. We have a very long and not always successful, but at least long history of trying to grapple with like what we're okay with when it comes to sex and what right. consent is and and sort of like not that consent is that complicated, but sort of like how to navigate that and how to make sure that we're doing the right thing. And to remove sex robots and sort of to your point from the beginning of to remove sex robots from the way that we talk about relationships and the way that we talk about just like love and actually mm. connecting with one another to put sex robots in a completely different category to say like we're only going to talk about these in like the context of essentially sex work I think does a disservice to the conversation because it doesn't allow us to pull from all of these other things that we talk about I mean I would lump sex robots in with care robots right yes and like we have care robots that we're talking about using with the elderly and with people and like to me a sex robot is much more like a care robot than it is like a lot of other things that people kind of want it to lump I couldn't agree with that more Okay, I have a question for you. Yes. What is your favorite fictional depiction of sex robots? Ooh, my favorite fictional depiction of sex robots. Movie, TV, books. So many of them are so bad. (laughs) That's true. So my favorite is this book called VN by Madeline Ashby. I will say io9 called it the most messed up book about robot consciousness ever. Awesome. Um, it's amazing. I Madeline Ashby is one of my favorite sci-fi writers. I think she was actually an expert on the sex robot episode now that I think about it. She is just so, so, so smart about the future in general. And VN, I think, I think it's pronounced VN. Maybe it's pronounced VIN. I don't know. It is so fucked up, but in such a delicious way where you're like, she just thinks through all these things in a way that you're just like, holy shit. Okay, give me an example. Oh, yeah. So like one of the first scenes in the book is when so the main character is sort of like an assemblage of parts, I guess. And one of the first things that happens is like she emerges conscious. She like sort of emerges in this consciousness and doesn't really know what's going on. And she winds up like eating her mother because she doesn't know what that like what that is or who that is. Sexy. (laughs) It's yeah. Yeah, I feel like I'm doing a disservice to describing the book because I'm trying to think of things to say about it that wouldn't ruin these like moments where you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, 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 let me ask you a slightly different question, yeah. which is, is there a moment in pop culture sex robots or fictional sex robots that you found really sexy or that you are like, oh, I'm really looking forward to that scenario? Ooh, looking forward to that scenario. The Robin song, Fembots. Oh, yeah. It's a great song. And there's also a lot of really good puns in it. The scene, the the robot sex scene that has sort of like made the most sense to me mm-hmm. is the scene in Westworld, which, you know, came under a lot of critique for basically being like a like a male fantasy and then like sex robots were like very focused on like well what would men want to do when they're visiting the park i thought that the scene where the like corporate bitch i can't remember her name charlotte um, hale charlotte hale thank you where charlotte hale is having sex with a the male robot, the like uh, dark, mysterious cowboy and, uh, you know, sort of almost like deliberately stages it so that she's like caught in the middle and then like opens the door and is like perspiring and just kind of like throws on a robe. And I feel like 
I mean, first of all, that scene was really sexy. I felt like I could smell yeah. that, like, when a room smells like somebody else having sex. Something about that. And there's I, a moment later in that scene, too, where he, like, starts to talk to her and she's like, turn off. And he's yeah. like, turns off. And yes. you're like, yes, I wish I could do that. <laughs> well, I don't know. I guess, like, from a from a physical standpoint, this is going back to the idea of masturbation and the idea of a fucking machine. Like, just the idea that you could mount something and because it seems pretty clear he's like tied up which first of all like this goes back to the idea of like the fantasy of like when you do you have to like tie up a creature that ultimately will respond to all of your orders but like but like okay so you obviously it's like the aesthetics of being tied up or maybe art of like the the AI is responding to like being dominated or being seduced in whatever way. And so he's like tied up, like sitting up straight in the bed. So it's very clear that she was riding him. Right. Yeah. So just the mechanics of being able to sit astride something and ride it and that it's going to stay hard and stay into it as long as you want is very and maybe maybe do some like pumping yeah but you know yeah, whatever sure whatever you want one or two whatever, whatever you, you want whatever you feel like yeah. uh that is so that's so appealing because there's not really there's not really like a sex toy that can quite give you that exact feeling of the like the full body feeling of sex and also like penetrating you in that particular way or also like the um I'm so not an engineer. Like, what is what is what do you call it when basically like the the engine, um, like the hydraulics, the hydraulics. Thank you. Like <laughs> basically the hydraulics of that. Yeah. You know, and if the person is handsome, or, you know, the the person. If the robot is handsome, and so you're like enjoying like looking into their handsome face, like, yeah. or perhaps they know how to respond and give you the dirty talk that you want, like that. I would, I would pay, I would budget for that. Oh man. So it's so interesting. I, I, the Westworld is so interesting to me in part because, and I've talked about this with a lot of friends of mine who watched the show. It did get flack for sort of being, seeming very like straight white dude, Mm. cis, cis white dude kind of like coming in and there's like a bunch of prostitute robots for you to like, whatever. And and they're all hyper feminine and they all obviously are. And there's that one like really cheesy, like lesbian scene where she's like, oh no. It just was like really unbelievable. Totally. Um, But, one of the things that and I was like yeah like okay like dudes show up to this park they can do whatever they want everything that stays there they're all gonna try to have gay sex like like oh my god give me the gay sex I want I want the dude on dude I want it like please like please that's what I'm here for yeah um but I was also I had this conversation with many of my lady friends who um are like straight ladies uh and they were like okay you go to this place and these robots will not rape you. You can have a one night stand where you do not have to worry totally. about who this person is, like whether you can trust them. You don't have to like text your friend to be like, Hey, check on me in five minutes. Like, or what, hopefully longer than five minutes or however yeah. long it is. Yeah. Um, and I was like, that is like no small thing, right. To be totally. able to show up to something and be like, I'm going to have a sexual experience that is going to be satisfying that I don't have to worry about. Um, which like I think should not be discounted uh, as a a thing and so often you see in the narratives about sex robots like oh it's going to be these dudes who are going to get like very classically sort of stereotypical ladies with the big boobs and the big hips and the big lips and whatever like sort of thing and to me I'm kind of like I think you might be underestimating 
the female market here because Absolutely. you know yes i'm sure there will be dudes and there, the real doll tends that tends to be the demographic tends right. to be the market at the same time i think that there's really something to be said for the ability to have sex with something that you can trust um mm. which like is sad to say but is like a totally real thing when you go on a first date on okcupid or whatever yeah there is that question of like, are you a serial killer? And it's like a joke. You're like, ha, ah, you're not a serial killer. But like, also you're like, but no, but like, are you? Because like, I would rather not. But today. also just to like, scale, also just scale it back. Like, are you going to get hard and stay hard? Are you going to care about whether I come? Right. Are you going to like, are you going to catch feelings for me? Or are you going to like, not even want to touch me after you've come? Right. So it's like, it's. It, it's not so much about you know we, all, like women want this and men want this it's like well sometimes d- different people have different tastes and also different moods like and uh, you know from day to day and at different times in their lives so like I would really love to be able to program someone to cuddle if I'm in the mood to cuddle and I, I feel like I would really enjoy spooning or being spooned by something that felt like like that in and of itself is like play some music like you know i mean there's, there's you, all you these know things. yeah exactly <laughs> but you know or maybe sometimes i'm gonna want to feel like it's totally fine for me to be wham bam thank you ma'am and like get out of there and not be like oh sorry bro yeah or right Right. I And that's the thing I, I always want to push back on in general when people are talking about sex robots because there is this sort of joke where it's like, oh, these lonely dudes in their basements who are going to like get these right. lady things to fuck. And I'm like, I would I would get I would get one. Like, yeah. I, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, uh, like, I mean, it's they're going to be so expensive. I'm sure I will not be able to afford one. But like, I think that there I hope that manufacturers are not discounting that element of it where like, right, again, like and it's not asking you to do emotional labor for you yeah. for them. It's not asking you to like listen to their podcast ideas. It's like, <laughs> God, like if I have to listen to another dude's podcast ideas, like I just can't, you know, oh like God. so oh just like God. there's all exactly. these things like that robot is never going to tell you about his podcast idea. <laughs> And like that's, I would pay ten thousand dollars for that. Like that is worth gold. Oh my god, agreed. Um, yeah. And to to your point about Westworld, like I would also hope that sex robots are programmed to actually understand how queer people have sex. Like, oh, I hope so. Because, you know, uh, if they pay attention to, if they like only get it from Hollywood movies, they're gonna be like, okay, well, ladies scissor in this one particular oh way and go down on each other i think but what do they do when they're down there slapping there's some slapping i mean i actually just wrote an article today about pussy slapping and how it's great and also i just said, feel like there's so also, much also also scissoring in, is great yeah right yes. i just feel like that's like the two things you hear you like see or hear about where it's like either scissoring or slapping and that's yeah. like pretty much all i see Right. But yeah, exactly. (laughs) This is like reminding me of another thing about robot sex, which is that robot sex is safer sex. I mean, presumably, I mean, I think that there was a little bit of a joke in Westworld. There was a joke about chlamydia. uh, Yes. Or something. Syphilis, maybe. I don't remember. But yeah. Um, But uh, presumably, let's say... They understand they're manufactured to be disinfected, providing you take care of your toy and disinfect it. I mean, it's not going to get you pregnant. True. It's not going to get you pregnant. True. Presumably, they could be engineered so that they do not transmit 
sexually transmitted yeah i mean if it's also if it's just your sex robot then that's one thing it's like your own sex toy right i I think there's another question when you know and this is probably more likely because most people probably aren't going to own their own Mm. um is there brothel like right or like rental or you go somewhere right or you know or it comes to you it's like a you know like uber but for sex robots or whatever um and i think that's probably more likely just because most people aren't going to be able to shell out the like thirty thousand dollars that it might be for something like this right um and also like you don't always necessarily want one right like i don't i don't want to have a story where am i going to that in a New York apartment? Are you kidding me? (laughs) I would definitely, it would have to double as like a coat rack. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Right, exactly. You'd have to like put its arms out. I would actually love that. That'd be great. People would like think it's a joke and you're like, no, no, I have sex with that. (laughs) (laughs) I fucked that 20 minutes ago. (laughs) What if it did, what if it did like all what if it did other things too? I mean, like a butler as well. Yeah. Like what if it what if it was like a butler, but also like a dishwasher. Isn't that like the premise of humans that show? Oh, I haven't seen it. Um, it, it it's, really, it's sort of about like something like that, where it's like also a childcare thing, and then it's like, right. is it weird that you're like also having sex with this thing that like takes care takes care of your kids? Um, Ex- like I, also like your wife. I was going to say, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I yeah. can think of another instance in which like you have sex with something that takes care of your kids. Yeah, yeah and then the question of the difference in ethics between machines that perform domestic labor and machines that perform emotional labor is a really and, and that and sexual labor, right? It's a really interesting one and I think that to me it's more interesting when you start lumping things and you start sort of talking about things as as care, like I said care robots as opposed to like sex robots over here for like these depraved you know like dudes in their basements who want to like have sex with the machine and then everything else is sort of this other like sort of more wholesome robot version I, I think that that's sort of uh, unfair well it's it's predicated on the idea that sex taints things well and also the idea that like the only person who would want to have a sex robot is someone who can't have sex with usually women any right. other way right. right right and i think that that's also like not necessarily true uh, absolutely <laughs> but it not. is kind of the caricature right it's the same like it's when you talk about like blow up dolls right it's the same caricature of, of like those people of um and i think you know like real doll tends to be those people um at the same time you know there's such a huge difference like we said about between real doll and if we're talking about like a real sort of like truly functioning sex robot which again i think is like 30 years out i think yeah pretty far away from it it's a sort of a categorically different thing and also you know right like people have sex toys people have like their own sort of whatever they have in their house that they want to use and that's totally fine but yeah i do i do think that like i mean you i'm, I'm assuming you would you would try one you would try a sex robot I would love to try a sex robot. I think if I could design a sex robot, I would, yeah, I would definitely want a like super mask, big, dumb boy <laughs> with a, with a, with a cock, with, you know, with a big cock that, yeah, was like, strong and limber enough to like pick me up and throw me around and just like endlessly hard and tireless i want like that i can also like query as if it's like siri where i'm like hey can you tell me this fact yeah tell me tell me facts yeah that's what i want yeah it's like, that's what gets me off <laughs> <laughs> trivia oh, awesome <laughs> um it could be like your date to trivia night yeah um <laughs> it's like under the table <laughs> <laughs> that that will be a problem in the future where Listen, you like sex robot you go, trivia you go to you go to starting that to franchise trivia, now you go to trivia night and uh they're like don't check your phones and don't ask your sex robot yeah listen i know he's hot but you can't you no can't cheating ask. you know i have to say i'm finding it 
harder to imagine what I would want to do with a female form sex robot, which is interesting yeah. since I can think of a lot of things <laughs> that I like to do with female form yeah. humans. I guess it would be nice to have, um, I guess I'm like sort of a little bit like heteronormative in my like desires for sex robot where it's like I want like a big dumb red-blooded dude and then I and, and I think it would be just nice to speaking of like blowing off steam to just like have like a pillow princess super bottom <laughs> lady who just I could just like mount and like yeah. get, just work my hips on them like endlessly and like have them like simulate like oh my god nobody makes me come like you do yeah. oh my god you're so amazing um, I do at one point want to talk like not necessarily right now but in the future <laughs> of like who the voices of these robots are going to be who are the voiceover artists who get to be the voices of these robots me obviously I know well, I think you're I think you're auditioning right now I think yeah. it's what's happening um because I think about that kind of thing all the time where it's like who are the voices who are the faces so like wh- what does it look like like so does do porn stars like then I mean there I'm sure would be like you could buy a porn ver- like a version yeah. of like a Jenna Jameson it's yeah. like such a throwback reference but like whatever it is no totally um, I mean you can currently buy right. Stoya's pussy and exactly is I accidentally ass. bought that one time oh. I had ordered uh not that and that's what came in the box I had ordered a vibrator and I opened the box I was like oh my god that is not what I ordered and I actually like it was it was amazing I had not I guess I hadn't quite realized that like it would they were branded like I had her like yeah. picture on it and I was yeah. like that is her pussy and that is I mean seems fine just not not what I'm looking for at I this mean moment. you know one thing that's great about that is that they get th- that is one way for porn stars to diversify their income Listen, is to do licensing like I think that. that like in the sex robot world you can buy them and then you can like buy like upgrade packages for totally. like various things I mean like make that money make that yeah. money like I'm all for it well d- I mean this is one thing that I feel really strongly about that in in my sex spot utopia sex workers and like the sex work the the human sex workforce of tomorrow will be the designers the oh, yeah. engineers they should own that IP. the yeah exactly the the talent yeah. the you know uh it, you know it, we could finally have justice for how much money sex workers have been making for other people for so many years by actually like you know giving them the you know who knows better totally oh I mean I think that like sex toy manufacturers in general and particularly people who are making sex dolls or future sex robots would do themselves a disservice by not hiring people who know what people want yeah Uh, yeah and I think they should get that money as like I they they should own that IP like I think I mean the challenge in the U.S. at least is like getting funding for research for that kind of thing is basically impossible I mean you can't even have a uh I had uh Lydia Bonilla from House of Plume yeah. on recently and she was talking about you can't even get a Facebook ad for no. she manufactures boxes for you to put your sex toys into. You cannot. Mm-mm. It's not even you don't even Too put naughty. it in your junk. Nope. Like and yeah. and you can't she can't Right. Oh, I mean, it's like the whole thing, right? Like you can't pay get your PayPal, blah, 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 you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, yeah, I mean, that's like, I mean, this is one of the huge barriers and this is part of why you see, and I am skeptical of the narrative of like, oh, Japan, all the sex robots are from Japan. I actually don't think that's true. I think that like people have this idea of Japan being this like weird place when it comes to sex, right? which I don't think it is quite as much as people say it is. But I do think that like you will see those sex robots coming from other countries because the U.S. just like does not have mm. the like 
I don't know, the guts to do it. I mean, like, they, there's so much money to be made there. The balls. And the balls to do it. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, um, but they, I think that there's, like, there's so much money being left on the table because the U.S. is so prude about, like, the way they'll get money. And, like, I mean, you can't walk into a VC and ask for stuff like that. I mean, you can yeah. barely walk into a VC and ask for money for, like, an innovative tampon. Like, it's crazy, dude, you know? Like, dude, totally. So I just think that, like, the money – the market is totally there, but like the actual R and D money, which is considerable for something like this. I mean, there's a lot that goes into like hardware, software, all of that costs a lot of money and it's not going to come from the U S what about, not that it has to, not that I'm like an American exceptionalist or anything. No, but, no, no, um, no. It's, I, mean, I just want, I just want our, our ladies to get their money. It's what I want. Same. That's all I want. <laughs> what do you think about sex cyborgs? And like, let me just say Ooh. that it really frustrates me to see very intelligent journalists like use the word cyborg when they actually mean android like can we just pause and say <laughs> a cyborg yeah. is a being that is made of partially organic and partially machine components so like robocop is a cyborg the androids from blade runner are not right they are androids right they're humanoid or like Data from Star Trek, is a humanoid robot. Correct. So what do you think about sex cyborgs? Like, if we could get attachments, yeah. essentially, that... I mean, if you could make a machine that has a dick that feels like flesh, that can, like, get hard and stay hard, then, like, it seems like you could probably have... Like an, like an appendage that you would add to a human so that, for example, like, like I'm a cisgender female, but like I could see myself maybe getting a dick. Be sweet, right? Yeah. I mean, I like external genitalia are like endlessly fascinating to me where I'm like, sure. what happens? What, how does it happen? Like you just, it's just like, it's not, it's small and then it's big. It's crazy. <laughs> um, uh, it's like, I don't, we don't have that really. Um, kind uh, of. We kind of, kind of but not, yeah. not to the same yeah. extent. Yeah. Um, it's not as showy. It's, I mean, like we're just like more subtle. Yeah. This is a slightly different question or slightly different answer, but I do think that like, there's so much interesting stuff happening in like the future of the body sort of more broadly. Mm, mm. And I think that um, like trans people are like a hundred percent paving the way. And like everyone who writes about the future of the body and doesn't talk to trans people are, are like doing a bad job and should do better. Agreed. And I think that like, that is a, an interesting question of like, can you, and would you want to have both options? Mm. I don't see why not. I think that there's like enough people who are interested in like putting a strap on, on and pegging or whatever it is, even if you are in sort of like a straight cis relationship, like, yeah. If there are nerve endings, especially if there are nerve endings in this, like, whatever cyborg penis that you might get. Yeah. Like, yeah, that yeah. sounds great. I mean, th that is really, really hard to do. I think that's actually probably harder than a sort of full-on sex robot, just mm. because the connection between a, a biological thing and a machine is really, really difficult to do. Prosthetics yeah. are pretty bad still, actually. Yeah. Particularly with, like, very complicated organs like the penis which like for all my jokes about being it like being stupid it actually like is very complex right the, and <laughs> science doesn't totally understand how it works all the time mm. um i mean like they're the general basics are are there but like there are still some like pretty big mysteries about like how penises work which mm. i think is fascinating and i learned recently there's this woman named diane kelly who is a researcher who studies penises basically and like th across the animal kingdom is sort of a comparative anatomist i mm. believe is what she is i should probably check that but um and she is amazing and like tells all these amazing stories about how we just like don't know 
about how a lot of penis things work, which to me is like amazing. But cyborg, cyborg penis, 100% in. Um, I just think it would be very, very difficult to, it would be harder, I think, to do that almost than to make a sex robot. Still, it's fun to think about. Oh my God, yeah. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. I mean, like, especially, I think, like, I, I I would probably want to, like, take it off sometime. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you want it to be optional. Yeah. Well. (laughs) I had a couple of just, like, people who are smart about sex robots that I would recommend. Yeah. Kate uh, Devlin, who is a researcher who gave a TEDx talk about sex robots and is, like, one of the best people to be like, actually, here's what we're really doing and here's Mm. what it really is and here's what we really have. Is she Um, the one that made the little, like, dinosaur bots i don't know i hope so that sounds delightful yeah anyway go on (laughs) um shelly ronan is um, a sociology phd candidate at nyu neil brown wrote an interesting legal paper about basically like what the like law sort of might say about Mm. some of this stuff a lot of it was about copyright and sort of like Mm. intellectual property which is really interesting i think my main thing that i would want people to take away from this is a don't believe anything that you read on the internet about sex robots Uh (laughs) because it's almost always not true and b to just like think about it as a thing that doesn't exist yet. So, like, don't panic. Maybe yeah. that's my, like, your tattoo. Don't panic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Hitchhiker's Guide version to sex robots. Don't panic. <laughs> because they don't exist and they won't exist for a long time. Yeah. And I guess, like, also keep an open mind about what might be appealing about having sex with a machine. Yeah. Yeah. And welcoming our sex bot overlords. overlords. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Rose, thank you so much for, I think we did it. I think we did like a speculative, Yes. why are people into that? Yes. I'm excited. Why are people going to be into that? Why are people going (laughs) to be into that? Um, I love it. Listen, if people want to find out more about your work, they can go to roseeveleth.com. Correct. And if they want to listen to Flash Forward, which they absolutely will and should, I highly endorse it. Flashforward.com. Flashforwardpod.com. Flashforwardpod. Flashforward was already taken by some TV show from a couple years ago. Weird. I'm sure it's like time travel. It was. It was actually like really bad, but delightful. I love it. I love that show. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like sliders. I don't know. (laughs) Kind of. Yeah. Uh, Oh man. Sliders. Flashforwardpod.com. And you can subscribe and download wherever fine podcasts are. Wherever um, you're listening to this podcast. Yes, exactly. (laughs) The social medias. Rose Eveleth. Awesome. Or Flash Forward Pod. Okay. I'm the only Rose Eveleth in the world, so I, for better That's... or for worse, it's pretty easy to find me. <laughs> That's great. Thanks so much for coming on the show. And uh, we'll have you back as soon as all this technology <laughs> is sorted out. Yeah. All of the ethics yeah. are, you know, the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted. And, yeah. uh, and then we'll talk about why people are into it currently great i'm ready in like 37 years or whatever it is we'll we'll do it again i can't wait exactly thanks for having me thanks rose thanks for listening to episode 53 follow at tina horns ass on twitter and instagram subscribe to the show on acast itunes stitcher etc and take a few seconds to write a review and please tell your friends about the show Visit wirepeopleintothat.com to subscribe to my newsletter and listen to the entire archive. 
as ever, Wired People Into That is produced and hosted by yours truly, Tina Horn. Our theme song is by Vivid Windows from Oakland, California, and this project is supported in part by my programmed for pleasure patrons. Join my fembot army by pledging patreon.com slash Tina Horn. Until next time, I'll be passing the Turing test with flying colors. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.